Uh, it's the Allen Network. Um, blessed to have another in-studio guest with me right now. His name is Eric Bello. And um, you actually reached out to me, you know, because you were like, are you accepting guests on your podcast? And I was like, well, sure. Okay, so you're here. How did you find me, first of all? So I saw a couple other interviews you were doing of like Sacramento entrepreneurs, I forget exactly who, <laughs> but um, I just saw those and I was like, okay, like in the local Sacramento podcast, like I like supporting local entrepreneurs and local media stuff. Yeah, so. basically what I'm doing is anything self-improvement. So mm -hmm. any anybody out there that's trying to uh, better themselves or help people of the community better themselves as well, then I'm all in with it. You know, it's the Allen Network. Um, good people need good people. Um, you know, one network under Net with good people and healing for all. That's what I'm, that's what I'm all about. So, um, Eric, tell me about what you do and why you wanted to be on to share your story. Yeah, so what I do is I run a advertising agency for like digital media and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Google Ads, all that type of stuff uh, to generate more customers for businesses. Um, so because you're local, I wanted to help out the local community and see if I can share some like marketing and advertising and branding ideas um, that, you know, like I've come across that get a lot of good results. And then um, I've been doing that for, you know, a while now and I've actually been doing like kind of marketing and media stuff since I was about 13 but then after a while I was just like okay how about I turn this into a business but not on really my own um volition like I wanted to do it but I didn't really have the courage to do so and then there was a couple people that were telling me like you're pretty good at what you do like you should you should start something yeah and I was still like no like, I don't know it's kind of scary I don't come from an entrepreneurship background yeah and then after a while like I think like, you know how they say you get emotional leverage and you just get so sick and tired of whatever you're doing right now that you're just like, okay, I need to like do something different. I can't do this anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so I kind of got to that point where I was like, the path that I'm on right now doesn't make sense for what I want, like my ultimate goals are. Uh -huh. And even though this is the safer path, I'm going to go the other way because it's like, I, I'm pretty good at like taking calculator risks. So when I looked at it, I was like, there isn't like a whole lot of risk involved that I would be able to bounce back from pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, just gonna do that. And then ever since then, it's been like the best decision of my life. I'm making more money than I ever was at like a nine to five job. Like I was a store manager at a cell phone store and working like, I don't even know how much it was, like 80 hours a week or something like that because wow. my team was kind of slacking. Uh -huh. And to be fair, I probably should have <laughs> let them go. I gave them a lot of chances. Um, I, I learned my lesson that way, but I had to pick up the slack and I was selling probably 60 or 70% of the store's volume mm. just because the employees were, they were good like operationally, but as far as sales goes, they couldn't, they just couldn't do it yeah. um, or couldn't like hit their targets. So I had to pick up the slack and like, it got to a point where I was just like beaten down. Like I was at, I, I remember there's a picture with my mom and we're like eating and like, it, it, it's like a, the day after I had a super hard day at that, that cell phone store. And I see the picture, I'm like, dude, I look dead. Like, what is that? Like, I was like, no, I was getting sick all the time. Like, it was just yeah. all bad. Like, the stress was stress level good. was too much, yeah. And then in exchange for like the money I was getting, it was like, not worth like, it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, after a while, you start thinking about, well, if I'm working this hard, why am I not working for myself? I can work this hard at whatever I want to do for myself and then it pays for myself. So you said you started doing this when you were like 13? Yeah, so I didn't start in like marketing and advertising really at 13. I started with video content production and like photography and like editing like Photoshop type of stuff, uh -huh. graphic design. Yeah. And then people were like, okay, you're doing pretty good at that. And then uh, 
I, you know, people told me like, oh, you should start a little business. Um, you know, this is probably around like 15. They were like, oh, you should like do get paid to do videos for other people. And I'm like, eh, like I don't know. Um, again, I was super hesitant on entrepreneurship. I feel like a lot of people are just because they don't know what's on the other side. And I'm like, I, I kind of say just do it, but like take a calculated risk and don't like go too far. But, um, <laughs> we'll talk more about the calculator risk and not going too far, but yeah. keep going, keep going. <laughs> um, so I started with that, and then after a while, um, I saw that like a lot of companies were advertising like on the internet. So I was like, okay, I should learn this, and I just did like a whole ton of research, found people that like are good at that, and then I developed my own strategies after taking in what they had and kind of putting my own like, twist on things. And then, um, then like when I started my actual like company. Uh, I did like a whole plethora of services that I was all actually pretty like, you know, adept in. But the uh -huh. thing is, is it's just like, that's just too much. Like I, I can't do all that. So now I niche down to basically just advertising. And then if a client asks me to do like a website for them, I can do that or like uh, search engine optimization, like make them hire in Google, I can do that too. But I primarily focus on advertising because I think that's the most scalable thing that I can do and also gets the most results. Okay. And so when you say advertising, basically, what that, does that entail for you? I mean, advertising, you know, I feel like somebody that's outside looking in at that, that world, you know, what does that entail for you? I mean, like, or for one of your clients? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it usually uh, starts with them, like, you know, reaching out to me or I reach out to them and we like set a meeting. And I take about somewhere between like an hour, hour and a half, sometimes a little bit, you know, um, less, depending on like the niche and the industry that they're in, but about an hour, let's just say. And I ask them a whole, like just a ton of questions. I don't really try to do like sales or anything like that until the very end because I have to understand their problem first. Yeah. So if they're doing like paper marketing or something like that, I need to explain to them like the differences and just, I just educate them while I'm asking them questions. Mm -hmm. I write it all down and after I see like contextually what the solution is based on what they have going on, then I just recommend it to them and then I'm like, okay, you know, if they have any pushback, I'm like, well, you said that your problem is this and I'm here to solve that problem, yeah. whether it's me or I also say like whether it's someone else, I obviously I'm biased because it's me. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I think that well, even we could talk about that later. I have a differentiator between a lot of other like marketing companies and stuff. But um, yeah, so I, I just think that after they understand like their problem and stuff like that, then we move forward with the deal. And then I do more research on their company in the way of like keywords, their competitors, um, literally what their competitors are doing because Facebook shows that to everybody now. Right. And then after that, I put together like campaigns. I do everything. So I do the copywriting. I um, well, I can't necessarily do the creative all the time, like the videos or pictures. I usually try and get that from them um, just because it's like I can't fly all over the nation all the time to do different content. Uh, so I get the content from them and then I do the targeting. I do pretty much everything else other than that, that core foundation. And then uh, we just test the campaigns over a period of time, and then like I'm just the facilitator and optimizer for those those campaigns the businesses are running, and then we get results. Okay, so say um, for example, you have a company, say Viarta, uh, they are a Latino food like grocery store, right? So they've been doing paper advertising and it's not really working for them. They're ready to move on to the next thing. What would you recommend to them? Mm -hmm. So let's see, if they're a grocery store, I'd probably recommend, because yeah, like Google, like actually, so I'd recommend three things. Mm -hmm. Basically Facebook and Instagram, which are owned, both owned by Facebook, yeah. and then those are kind of like one and the same. Mm -hmm. And then possibly even YouTube advertising, because okay. you know, the Latino community, like everybody's on, um, on YouTube and there's like 
you know, billions of hours watched like per day. So then you can put a YouTube ad in front of them, like a video ad explaining why, look, you're gonna get a better experience at our grocery store as opposed to like the basic Safeway or Walmart or like anything else. And then you just have to create a video um, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube that just explains like why you're different, why they should come to you. And I break it down kind of in five steps whenever you're doing copywriting or creating content. It's acknowledge your community or you're like who you're talking to. And then after that, you kind of agitate their problems. So maybe they're not getting the right prices they want. Maybe like you could even go down to the emotional level of they feel judged at other places. Like, you know, you never know what problem they have. Right. And then um, usually like these two, you can kind of flip back and forth, but I recommend having some type of testimonial or some type of case study, or maybe in this case, it'd be like a video of customers like in the store or something like that. And then recommend your solution and then a call to action. So whatever their offer is, um, you know, of that month, like with the grocery stores, probably every week that they're changing their deals. So then the last thing is the call to action and only having one call to action, keeping it really simple. And then if you want to have more call to actions, you create more ads. And then just targeting like the right age range and stuff like that, because young kids are obviously going to be on Facebook and YouTube and stuff and going to be wanting cons to consume different things from a grocery store than like right. an older person would. So it's like just contextually make your ads depending on your audience and then you just put it out there and then it does two things. It creates branding. So if no one like clicks to like right away to, you know, come in and take advantage of your offer, you now like, they now are aware of like your brand. So it's like, if they didn't know before, it's like, oh, it's kind of in the back of their mind. And after they see you probably like between six and 10 times, they'll probably be like, okay, like this seems like a legitimate business. I'm finally gonna go in there because they follow up with me like a lot. And it's kind of like a lot of familiarity. Um, and then, yeah, we just track results and see what's working and what's not, shut off the ads that aren't working, double down on the ones that are. Uh, explain call to action. Yeah, so a call to action is basically your sales pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the end of the video, well, actually, I recommend doing a, like a soft one at the beginning, a soft one in the middle, and then a, like a kind of more harder one at the end. Um, and then if you say, like for this uh, particular grocery store, let's say that their offer is 50% off all national brands or like something like that. I don't really know the grocery store market, okay. but like, you know, that's why I would ask the owner and be like, what, what can you do? So 50% off national brands just this week if you come in with this voucher code. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the person's like, well, I want 50% off of Hostess Donuts or whatever it is. Right. So then they click on that and then they type in their information, their name, email, phone number, whatever other info you want. Now that grocery store has that data and that's theirs. Mm -hmm. um, it's exclusive. So then um, that's in your, in your database. You can access it or send them stuff at any time. And then now you uh, send you know an email or text or whatever with the coupon code. Then they come in and you can track how many times that coupon code was used. And then, um, but yeah, it was kind of a long-winded way. <laughs> Basically, just a sales pitch to get them into the store. Now, would you use that particular one on Facebook and Instagram, or could you use that on YouTube too? So, uh, Instagram only allows you to do one-minute ads for yeah, videos. Right. Uh, Facebook lets you do super long ones, I think, like two hours. And the same thing with YouTube. Well. I think YouTube might have like an hour limit or something like that, but basically the longer form content could be on Facebook and YouTube, and then you kind of have to chop it up and make it native or contextual to the platform on Instagram, like a little bit shorter, more punchy. Um, but yeah, you can put the same video across all those platforms and then also track that also like when you're not putting a bunch of variables in the system, you can see, okay, so Facebook is converting more than YouTube or vice versa. Let's shut off the other platform if we want to conserve money. If you don't care about conserving money and you're more like, let's just put as much branding out there and awareness as possible, then you can keep it on both. Okay. So I'm not too familiar with the YouTube platform. I'd say mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So the YouTube platform, you know, I, I watch like 
I'll watch a YouTube video and then, you know, the commercial will pop up. So basically that's what you're creating. Like those commercials that pop up in between, you know, the content mm -hmm. or whatever. So, yeah. So yeah, YouTube has a lot of different uh, like formats, but when you're, what you're talking about is like the pre-roll ad. So yeah, when someone clicks on a video, um, before the video actually starts, they'll see however long, you know, your advertisement is. And then because it's at the beginning of the video, obviously they're gonna pay attention. When you do a YouTube ad in particular, um, you want to make sure that the first five seconds are extremely impactful, that they want to watch the rest of it. Right. And uh, if you come out the gate trying to be all salesy, they're not gonna, they're just gonna skip because they're like, their brains are just conditioned to just like not pay attention to that. Yeah. But if you, I mean, there's a million ways you can get their attention, but if you just start the education process and treating like your business more like a solution provider as opposed to a salesperson, then they're gonna keep watching the ad. Like with my, um, so I ran some YouTube ads for a while, and basically, I just wanted anybody that was uh, targeting or uh, typing in like digital marketing related stuff, I'd show them that. Yeah. And like, I tested kind of a salesy ad that was like, hey, go subscribe to my channel and you get more stuff. And then it didn't really get much. And then I ran one of my 20 minute videos as an advertisement and it had like huge watch time. Like, people were almost watching the entire video um, because when they were looking for digital marketing stuff, their solution already popped up and then now they're going to watch the entire ad. And then it has a call to action at the end, of course, of like, hey, subscribe to my channel if this was helpful. That's okay. Much so, so how would you target that? So basically, when okay, okay, this is complicated. Okay, let me let me work this out. <laughs> let me work this out. Yeah, you got to get very technical because this is this is the stuff that people need to know. This is like all of the things that now I have to go back and learn mm -hmm. because I mean I worked for a radio station for fifteen years, so I was a person creating mm -hmm. the content, and then they would take that content and then go do something with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't have to worry about all the technical stuff. So for example, YouTube, okay? So how would you make sure that the ad that you're creating is going to the right audience? Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. So there's uh, two ways that you can really target on YouTube and then you can kind of combine those ways if you really want to to get super targeted. I, I recommend trying out them separately and then kind of meeting the middle somewhere. So Google is probably, I would say Google and Facebook, Google has a little bit more data than Facebook does because they're just everywhere, <laughs> like it's insane. Facebook has a ton of data too, but Google literally tracks everything. So you can either do it by kind of like audience targeting. So someone that's in the, in the market to buy whatever, like they, their ad platform is so detailed in the way of like what type of demographics, interests and behaviors you can do, it's like absurd. So it's like, but it's all, it's not always necessarily the most targeted, like it's it's pretty darn close. I would say Facebook's a little bit more targeting because it's a simpler platform other than a huge search engine of basically the entire internet. Yeah. So you can target by audience. So basically just typing in age, you know, demographic, what they're interested in. Um, for example, if you're trying to promote a business podcast or self-development podcast, you can target people that are interested in self-development, not necessarily on keywords or anything they're typing in um, directly, but Google knows if they're typing in certain keywords, they're most likely interested in that. Um, that interest. Uh -huh. And then the other way you can do it is just straight keywords. And that's what I was doing for a while because those are the most targeted ways you can do it. So rather than being kind of iffy with like an audience, you just be like, hey, if someone typed in, how do you run Facebook ads, yeah. like as a phrase, then that one's gonna be kind of, like you have to bid pretty high for that. But because the Google app platform works in a way to where it's like an auction, I mean, just like Facebook and Instagram basically. But like if someone's paying 10 cents, you know, to get that ad viewed, and then you have a quality score of like the same amount, like you have a, a relevant ad to that person that Google's decided, 
Then you pay a little bit more, maybe like 12 cents or something like that, and they're gonna view your ad instead. But it's based on, they typed in that keyword, like you said, like a while ago, and then probably that same day or the next day, um, they'll see an ad for it, like right away. Big Brother! <laughs> oh yes, God, it's, so it's a little creepy, but yeah. Yeah, it's a little creepy that they know, that <laughs> you're like, I didn't type anything, how do they know? The creepiest one is when you start like combining these two, like Google and Facebook, that's just scary. Like, like you'll go on someone's, like, You'll be on YouTube and then like you'll click the ad which will subscribe you to the channel and then you watch a couple of their videos and then you check out their website and then you get on their website and Facebook was not involved in the entire section and you put a pixel on there and it's like they're tracking me all over the internet. Yeah, that's a little scary. It's a little scary. It is effective, especially if you're trying to advertise, you know, like I get I get it, but it is like stop, get out of my life, you know? It's like kinda like, oh my god, why are you doing this to me? Like why are you in my head? That's what it feels like. So you don't want to create like ad fatigue because if they see the same ad over and over again, then it's like just but actually, I mean, they can probably see the ad like six or ten times because like the first six times they can pay attention to it. Now they're like, okay, this guy or girl or whoever is like really in my face. Like maybe I should listen to it now. So maybe on the tenth time to listen to it. But um, what you should do is after that six or ten times, you should probably set up a sequence of ads. So they watch the first one and then like a video views campaign you can do. If they watch 75% of the first video, then they'll see the, first, the next video, like on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, YouTube, you can also do sequencing like that, where it's if they watch a particular percentage, you can follow up with the next one, and until they watch to that percentage, they won't see the next follow-up ad. What? Sequencing, yeah. Sequencing is a thing? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Like, is there a button for that? A magic button on Facebook? <laughs> a couple buttons. Gee, was yeah. that in the, the advanced part? Of the, um, you know, because I've actually purchased like Facebook ads before or something, mm-hmm. but that must be in the advanced queue at the very, very bottom because I haven't seen that one yet. And that's why people hire me, right? Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> you know, right, right. So, so it's like, um, how it works is actually, uh, I love it because like I'm a pretty logical and like analytical person and I can follow like step by step stuff. So it's like, you put a video views campaign out there and then like you have to click that marketing objective. And then they see that first video and then you create a second ad. And when you create the second ad, you put the content and everything like the same stuff in there. But then when you click your audience, you can click uh, a custom audience, which is basically Facebook. uh, Like when you upload that video, Facebook will see like, okay, they're they're already tracking how much people are watching of the video anyway for their own algorithm and organic stuff. Um, so it's like they're already tracking that then you create a custom audience saying hey this particular video I want to know every single person that watched 50% 75% 100% whatever it is of the video and you can create a custom audience Now just that audience alone doesn't do anything You have to put that audience into that secondary ad and then when you create the third ad It's the same thing where it's like okay. They watch that second video you repeat the process you create a custom audience of that video views uh, campaign and it just keeps going. You can do like as many as you want necessarily or you know, type, uh, technically. This is guy that's on Instagram right now. I think he hired you <laughs> because I see so many of his videos and I'm just, I scroll past some things, but there's like always a different one. And it's like, oh, well, if you subscribe to this, then you're watching this video because you're just, you subscribe to this. I'm like, just calling out. <laughs> you no, know, just like to put it out there. And I'm like, yo, bro, I'm like, I want, to do, I want you to off of my Instagram right mm-hmm. now. Like, I felt like that, you know, like it's too much. Yeah, and that's where, so the thing that he did wrong was either, or his team or whoever's doing it, um, 
it's either the targeting is wrong, like you're not the like the target audience for him, you're not resonating. Well, actually, I am the target audience oh, for him okay. because I mean, I get it. I did, you know, the first click, I went. Oh, and, I you see. know, like so, I fo I followed him down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. for one video, like one like um, thing, but he got my email address. So mm -hmm. now we're in, we're in, and I, there's no escape. Well, technically there is an escape. As a marketer, I probably shouldn't tell people this, but when you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can click the little three dots and just say, um, you uh, probably don't be like, uh, just for everybody listening, I wouldn't be like mean and like report it for spam or something yeah. like that. I would just like, there's a button that says this ad isn't relevant to me. And, okay. like, and, and like, they'll, they'll kind of get that after a while and that like who Facebook is targeting based on their algorithm will just move on to someone else. Yeah, so but anyway, I'm just like, no, it's, it just, he, I, yeah, it wasn't for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, what he was trying to push, I get it, but now I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've moved on, I yeah. need him to move on too. <laughs> yeah, and that's where frequency is extremely important because right. you can set on all these platforms how many times someone sees an ad before it stops. So like usually, you know, you well, there's a bunch of different like statistics and data on like how many times it takes someone uh, like after seeing your brand to like make a purchase because it's like it varies very you know on the industry and stuff. I usually say about six to ten. Some people say up to thirty-two touch points, whether that's a LinkedIn ad versus an email versus a call that you get. Like it's just as many times you contact that person in any medium, they say it's about thirty-two. So it's kind of all over the place. It depends on your like industry, but for that ad that you were watching. Like it got your interest at first, but then it like the messaging or like basically his solution was not not right for you, right? So it's like if he maybe said it a different way or had a different product that he would put in front of you or service or whatever it is, then maybe you would like go down down the funnel. But it's like I mean that's marketing in, in a nutshell. It's like you put stuff out there to a bunch of people to get attention, and then they self-select and they figure out okay, so this person clicked on it, this person didn't. Let's just disregard you know, that person. Okay, so we talked about, you know, like algorithms and all of that. Mm -hmm. Now, um, how, I mean, you use Facebook and you use Instagram, right, to yeah. advertise for people. So mm -hmm. how effective are these hashtags? Like, mm -hmm. do they really, really help you bust out of Instagram algorithm hell? Mm -hmm. Because that's where I'm currently stuck. Yeah, so Instagram <laughs> is a tough place right now. So oh my Facebook, God. like to give an example, Facebook, like five or ten years ago, you had a business page, you had like ten thousand people on there. Seventy-five percent of them would probably see it because it's like you know in their feed. But now Facebook, it's like less than one percent of your likes will actually even see your content. Like they don't even get they get the option. <laughs> um, and then the people that do like that's why you post something and you get like two likes and it's like what? what? <laughs> um, but on Instagram, that's starting to happen just because bigger brands are starting to like you know do ads and stuff on there, so it drives the organic traffic down because that's Instagram's business model. I would say hashtags are important. Uh, some people, I think the max uh, hashtags you can put is thirty. If you put 30 hashtags, like no matter, so no matter what you do on all these platforms, it sends a signal to, you know, Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, um, and they collect all that data. So if someone is consistently putting 30 hashtags on every single post, Instagram might see that and be like, okay, they're just trying to abuse hashtags. You know what I mean? So the recommended uh, hashtag count is somewhere between five and 10 now, actually. Huh. And what they recommend doing is making the hashtags a little bit more contextual. So if you're an entrepreneur podcast, instead of just type, you know, having hashtag entrepreneur, maybe like narrow that down a little bit more. Still pick a popular hashtag. It's not like that. No, so no when longer. you say contextual, um, see, this is what I used to always do in the past. And I don't know, maybe, I've been seeing that people put all of their hashtags at the bottom or they actually put them in a separate comment, you know, um, 
I, I was always the type of person that would write my my copy and 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 then put the hashtags in the actual copy like That's say good. for example this you know on this episode of the hashtag Allen the Allen Network mm-hmm. you know I have um, advertising a hashtag advertising so does that work or is it is it more effective for you to be all at the bottom or in a separate comment like yeah so I would actually say that that's probably the most effective way to do it uh, sometimes it's a little bit hard to get all those words in there depending on yeah. your copy and stuff so anything you forget go ahead and put it at the bottom but I recommend yeah keep it around 10 hashtags total and then what you should do is it kind of just forces you to create more content so it's like instead of having maybe a longer piece of content that touches on three different ideas and then you have those hashtags that are all for that mm-hmm. it's more like separate out that piece of content into three pieces of content and then make each post have more relevant hashtags right. like like all this stuff is going very contextual because everybody's abusing the platforms and trying to be very kind of vanilla and widespread and like they're kind of treating it like old advertising like when you send a postcard out you don't want to be super contextual other than maybe, or you really can't be super contextual other than maybe their zip code and their name or address or basic data, you know, on them. On Facebook, you can be extremely contextual. Like if you want to target literally anybody, you could like go on there and eventually get it to them on one of these platforms at least. Um, so when you do organic content on Instagram, I would say separate your hashtags out, do no more than 10. You can put them in the copy like that's really effective. It's just, it doesn't look spammy. And then, um, just create more content. Now, as far as the Instagram algorithm as a whole, it's just tanking. Like I can, I can see it on people's personal profiles and business profiles. It's all just going down to give more uh, room for ad space. Now, uh, yeah, it's like it's like po- friends post, friends post, advertisement, friends post, yep. friend post, advertisement. Every like, like three or four. Every, I was like, why? Why do we need to see all that? It's just the nature of the platforms, and eventually, like Facebook's done an amazing job of like not dying off. Like I'm so surprised. I'm like they, like Zuckerberg and his whole team have been on the cutting edge of the market, or at least buying stuff. Like when they bought Instagram, that was like an amazing move. Um, it's like eventually they could just buy everything, buy Twitter, buy Snapchat, <laughs> like whatever. But um, yeah, the platforms are like so. It's usually all the platforms like Snapchat, even like TikTok, this new one starts with a younger audience because they're on the cutting edge. They want to get the new app. They want to yeah. be trendy. And then after that app uh, starts to get more attention, now, I don't know if you know this, TikTok has 600 million users across the world, which is more than uh, Snapchat and Twitter combined. Yeah, I was up on TikTok and I was like, oh no, I can't do it. I tried, like I really did, you know, because I hear like Gary Vee, you guys need to get on TikTok. It's like, it's already passed now. Like you already missed it, you know, and I'm like, trying to go look and I just I was like no I'm not interested and maybe I'm just too old for it yeah yeah I would say it's basically just the next platform that's gonna that's here to stay because the company is actually um it's owned by ByteDance it's a Chinese company and they're extremely good at marketing the app uh, they actually the, the one of the main reasons that TikTok actually grew was because of YouTube ads so they just poured a bunch of money into YouTube ads the same way that uh, that platform uh, for buying stuff Wish did the same thing they just right. poured it into Facebook ads and that's they're now like a billion dollar company or something um, but all these platforms uh, not TikTok yet and not LinkedIn yet but like you have to run ads to get like followers or get like views to your stuff because the same thing that uh, you know happened to Facebook is going to happen to Instagram like it's already kind of happening and then after a while, it's just like no one's going to see your stuff. And if you want your own audience to see the stuff, you have to do like a retargeting ad of who liked your last couple posts or something like that. 
But um, yeah, Instagram's like on the way down. I would say it's nowhere near like dead yet, like at all. Um, but... I know it's my favorite still, but it's ugh, God, it's just like the amount of advertisement advertisement on there is just like kind of out of control. And that's what happened to Facebook. But you go on Facebook, you see the same thing. It's probably even more ads. Uh, people just got tired of that. So I just we don't like. I don't even look on it anymore. I don't even really. I just post stuff up there because I know people are gonna see some of my stuff. So I just post and I don't really look at anybody else's stuff. That sucks. I I go and look at my memory. <laughs> there you go. And when people like comment or like, you know, I can see that and birthdays and but that's pretty much it. You know, like. But I would say posting organically on. Like Facebook is like dead, like just don't even worry about it. I mean, you can't just cause like, why not? Mm -hmm. But um, just cause you want your page to look like active and stuff. But as far as like ads, Facebook ads is still like killing it. Like I would say like, it's not dead yet, it's nowhere near dead. Um, people have even said like Facebook is a little bit more targeted than Instagram because even though they're owned by the same company, they're not, they kind of like, that's why they got all those lawsuits is because they were like sharing data uh, between all their stuff. They even own like WhatsApp and things like that. Um, but they were getting in trouble. So people, I mean, Facebook or Instagram's got like better at the targeting stuff. But I would say by like a hair, Facebook is still better at like targeting the correct person. On Instagram, sometimes people that aren't relevant to your audience will, will see the ad. You kind of just have to spend on it. But Instagram's a little bit cheaper because, you know, like it's, it, you got to play like the game of all these different platforms and just put in the most effective strategy using kind of like the creative and making sure you have a good message and doing all the analytics to make sure like it backs it up and you're getting like an effect. Okay. Um, yeah, we're numbers. Numbers. Yeah. That's crazy. I I can't even understand how you can wrap your mind around that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just so like. Do you I, consider yourself like what is it when you're a creative mind? Are you is that a right brain or left right brain, brain is creative, left brain is analytical. So are you a left brain brainer? So I think I, I think I lean more towards the left, but like I'm pretty darn close to the middle, and I think that's the most effective type of person to do like an outside bias. But like that's the most effective type of person to do your marketing. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can understand all the numbers, but I can also understand okay, what's the brand's vision? Like, what are they trying to do? Like, I'm not all based on oh, the numbers don't add up. It's like, well, are you getting customers? <laughs> like, I mean, the numbers don't necessarily always have to add up if you're getting customers in the door. Like, it's, it's kind of ambiguous sometimes. But I would say that I am uh, more analytical. Um, my favorite personality test for people to do is the four gems test. Mm. I don't know why it's called that, but it's basically sapphire, ruby, uh, pearl, emerald. Sapphires are more um, kind of artistic and creative and sometimes a little bit messy. And uh, they love connecting with people and like having parties and stuff like that. Rubies are like ruthless. They want to win, like, you know, they're just always you know, competitive. Um, they're usually pretty a little bit more like organized. Pearls, sometimes a little bit messy too. Um, and then they're risk mitigators. So they don't like, you know, a lot of risk. They like things being safe. They like helping people. Like they have a good like heart. And then Emerald, uh, which is my primary, is analytical facts, figures, like that type of stuff. And then you have a primary and a secondary. So most people, um, you know, they, they, they fit into one category, the majority, but then they have some other characteristics that fit into the other ones. Now, you can either be like a, for a sapphire, you can either be a ruby or you can be a pearl, but you can't be a sapphire emerald because those are opposites. Right. So then like me, I'm primarily an emerald and a secondary ruby that I like to win. Um, and then or I'm like really competitive and stuff. I'm so a like, sapphire pearl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a total. And then but everybody has their own strengths, yeah. right? So it's like, as far as networking, you're probably a hundred times better at networking than I am because it's like, you, you just can get along with people easier, right? It's a little bit more difficult for me because I want to talk about the facts and the figures and, and like 
details and things like that. When some people, like at like a networking event, don't want to talk about that. They just want to have fun. They want to chit chat, and then eventually maybe get to some business stuff and, and talk details. But you know, it's like everybody has their own, their own strengths. Mm, okay. So thirteen, when you um, started mm -hmm. heading on this way, yeah, um, and you said that you were working at a phone store, or a, yeah. And you're yeah. like, no, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Like, so how did you, oh, here's where we get into the five hard questions, okay? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the five hard questions. Five hard questions is questions that it might be hard for you to answer or questions that might be hard for me to ask. Okay, as Perfect. a person. Okay, so first hard question, we'll get into that. Um, so you're working at the phone store, phone mm -hmm. carrier store. And you're like, this is trash. I can't do this anymore. Um, so what did you do? Did you just quit? Yeah. So literally what was happening was, so I was at that phone store uh, for like probably two and a half years total, started as a rep. And that's actually how I got my sales experience. I was working at a pizza place. And then after the pizza place, I literally just walked over to the phone store and I was like, look, I need a job mm -hmm. and I am going to do anything necessary to do that because my income at that time was like complete, just not where I wanted to be, obviously. And I was like, okay, the next step up, I need to learn sales. I need to learn like really good communication for business purposes. And then I know, like I've heard like commission, like because I was actually at my pizza place and I heard um, some people talking in line about like sales and commission and stuff like that. And I was like, that's right, sales positions, you can get additional money, you can control your income. So I went over there, I interviewed, I had no sales experience, but the manager kind of took a bet on me and he literally did the, sell me this stapler thing. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then he said, I actually did a decent job. Like he was, he was like, I'm not gonna lie, like you did pretty good. But I would say that there's, you know, some improvement and stuff, but like you're a really good candidate. So I was like, cool. Got the job the next month, um, but that pizza place I ended that day, and then the next day I started the job. You know, good thing. But um, after I was doing that for a while, I was like, amazing employee. Not to like <laughs> brag or but like really good operationally. I just had the mind for it, and it was just selling a lot, like hitting my targets. And then after a while, uh, my manager that I had at the time, um, I guess the, the the upper level manager, it's not like in the store. Um, well, after I became store manager and replaced the guy that hired me, uh, the, my new boss, uh, basically he quit and he said he had a different path. Um, it was like a really sad day because like we all loved him. Like he was an amazing guy. Um, and then a new guy comes in and the new guy, like the rumors and stuff like that are starting. It's like, oh, okay, this guy is not, um, not anything like our, our other boss. And I was like, hmm. but I was like, I'm just going to roll with the punches. I can't really do anything about it. So, and I was like, it doesn't, this guy's not gonna affect like my numbers, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. This guy comes in, I've never gotten a write-up in two, yeah, two, two and a half years of being in the company. Like, I, like nothing. Within two weeks of this guy starting his job. <laughs> this is about to get good, I can tell. Within two weeks good. of starting his job, writes me up twice. Wow. Yeah. And for like little things, and then he, he even gave it to like the, his boss as well, just to like kind of put me on a silver platter, like look where he's like messing up or whatever. And I was like, uh -huh. that was like a little thing. It was just kind of transitioning between the old boss and the new one. And uh, yeah, like I, I was just like, why is this guy writing me up twice? And on a third write up, he's on fire. So uh -huh. I was like, I see what he's doing. So he's trying to get me out. We, we always butt heads on stuff. Um, so then. Why do you, in, why, okay, question number two then. Yeah. Why do you think he had it out for you? Um, <laughs> that one, that one's a tough one to answer just because I don't want to like, 
disrespect him necessarily, but it's kind of just like everybody agreed kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> he had probably some psychological stuff that was going on that was not the most pleasant, and I feel bad for that. Uh -huh. He was in a new position. Um, also, he, you know how like when people are overly trying to be like tough guy, like, yeah. you know, like it's like overcompensating. Yeah. That's kind of what like was happening. And I was just sitting there, I'm like, why is this guy being so, like, trying to just make a mess and chaos as possible, just kind of stir everybody up? And I'm like, I get it. When you're a new manager, you want to, like, you know, have your authority and stuff like that, but you can do that respectfully. Because he also, like, I mentioned to an HR manager the day that I left, I was like, listen, here's some insulting things that he said to me, like, word for word. And, like, on, on like, our conference calls, he'll, like, smack, like, smack talk and stuff. And I'm just like, but not in, like, a funny way. Like, you know, like, sales jobs, sometimes you do that. He just did it in, like, a malicious way. I'm like, this is not, okay. So then, um, yeah, we just didn't get along. And then he, he does the, the two-week thing where he, like, you know, writes me up twice. And then before he can write me up a third time, I'm like, okay, I need to find, like, a way out. So I, like, got some stuff together. At the time, uh, this, is, this is the pivotal point where I was like, okay, I dropped out of college at this time. I was like, I'm going to do, um, you know, managing the store, like, full-time because, like, I make more money at that store, uh, even though I'm working a ton than I would as a college graduate of getting the degree I was going to get. So I was like, why would I get 100K in debt to go make less? It just didn't make sense. Um, I mean, you know, it's harder work. Like, it, it, maybe my salary would have been, like, you know, a little bit less, but it's like, you know, I, I can control my income over here. So overall, I can, I can get more money. Um, so I just figured out, I was like, look, like, I need to do, like, something different. Like, I'm trying to put in this box. And then a couple people just came to me. Uh, we're like, look, like you've been like, I already had my business name. I had the website. I had everything that I wanted to do. And I was like, I know I want to do this, but I still like didn't have courage. I was like, I don't want to disappoint my parents because I already dropped out of college. So I was like, they were super disappointed about that. Now they don't feel that way. <laughs> thankfully, um, they're actually happy. But um, when, when that happened, I was like really scared. I'm like, okay, I have, I, I don't have like a backup plan. I have this job. I might be able to get a job at some other like car sales thing or something like that. Like, I don't know. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take like a risk and just like bet on myself and then just like do it. And this person really pushed me over the line. It's actually the same person that uh, convinced me to drop out of college. So this person is like, you know, pushed me forward. I don't, I don't uh, talk to them anymore, but. Um, so I go to, um, I go to the HR manager or someone like that and I just put in my two weeks. And then the funny thing is, this is how I know that this guy was like complete, like not a respectable manager. You know what I mean? Like I have no problem with someone like, you know, telling me what to do necessarily as, as well. Like, I don't really like it that much because I'm like entrepreneurial yeah. at heart, but like I'll follow directions, right? If it's the most effective thing from the store and like the business. Um, but he, yeah, it was just like really weird. Um, I put in my two weeks and he obviously saw the email, right? And like saw like everything. This dude doesn't talk to me once for two weeks, not once. And then on the very last day, he shouts out on the call, oh yeah, this is Eric's last day, and uh, bye. I was like, interesting. <laughs> nah, nah, like, yeah, and then, he really had a little, now, I mean, was it like, okay, was he like that with a couple of different people, or do you feel like it was just you that he So like? let me get into that. Okay, after, after <laughs> tell I, me the story, tell after, me. <laughs> after I left, within a month, he fired six other managers. Really? And replaced them with his friends. Oh, is that what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Trash. So like, once I found that out, because I like people got back to me and they're like, "Look, dude, like everybody's like dying right now." Because I was still like, I was best friends with like the people in my store, and they were telling me like, "Yeah, this is absolutely horrible. Like, no one in the district is like doing well. They're all like stressed out all the time. 
they like there's like firing threats going on 24 7 i'm like dude this guy i'm like i'm so glad i got out of there because <laughs> like i did it at the right time but then some people did quit because they kind of felt like like i think maybe two quit and then the rest of them were like fired so i guess he, he fired four and then two of them like quit or whatever but um yeah i was just like his intentions were very clear now like what we're trying to do i'm just glad i got out of there it was like it, it, I, i'm doing much better now <laughs> than like i ever would at that start so i was like cool um but yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, yes. Um, I did had a question in there that was floating around, but you answered it for okay. me. And and it was, were your parents disappointed that you Absolutely. dropped out of college? Yeah, so my mom, uh, not as much because, I mean, she was still like scared and skeptical and kind of being like, you know, you need to have a backup plan because she's more of a pearl. She likes the backup plan that was in the right? So then, um, and then my dad was just very unhappy about it, which rightfully so because when, um, he, he couldn't see the other side. He doesn't. He didn't really like fully know what my vision was or what I was doing. So then he's like, uh, "Yeah, no, like because how I was brought up, um, he's basically go to college, get a job, you know, all that type of stuff." Yeah. And he was trying to get me into the tech space because that's where the most money is. Now I wasn't the most passionate about that. Like I, I switched from computer science uh, over to business. Right. I changed my major, so that was kind of like a huge thing. It was kind of like, meh. And I was like, well, getting a general business degree isn't necessarily going to help me with what I'm trying to do, so I'm just going to stop. Um, but yeah, he was he was very disappointed and basically um, was saying like, but again, it's from his perspective. It's not that he's like, he, yeah, it's not like we're, we're battling or anything like that. It's just like from what he knows, he's like, oh, like he's not going to make it. Yeah. That, that's what you know, they don't that, know anything else. Yeah, and that's what they were taught, right? Is like back in like the seventies and eighties, it was like go to college, get a job, and that was the best thing to do at the time. Being an entrepreneur at that time was horrible, like ten times or hundred times worse than it is now. So then it actually made sense at that time because home prices were good, um, you know, the culture was different. Like there was just a lot of different like stuff going on that it's like and also like student uh, debt wasn't like it wasn't that expensive to go to college and stuff. Now it's like through the roof and it's just not worth it. So it's the same thing that happened to Facebook and Instagram, where it's like eventually the value of it at well not right now, but like eventually the value of Facebook and Instagram will be not worth the price. Just like how billboards are and how print media is and stuff like that. Well. I've heard some people say like they do decent like postcards and stuff, but it's just so expensive and like has a very good entry and stuff. It's just not good. So it's more effective to do digital. But um, yeah, disappointment was really bad and it made me feel bad. I was like, but ultimately I knew in the back of my head, I'm like, I, I just played it out. I was like, look, I would make probably like around 100K a year after like, you know, what I was going to do. Um, and I'm like, do I, and then, you know, with inflation, uh, every, every year, you know, our money decreases in value about 3%. So I was like, I also, I have to get a raise of at least 4% every year to be like improving my income. And it's like, how often do raises happen? Like rarely. <laughs> so then I was like, am I really gonna be making around 100K a year? Because let's say, yeah, like five years goes by and then that's like 15% inflation. And then they're like, hey, you're getting a 10% raise. I'm like, it's still less money. <laughs> still caught up, yeah. yeah. So, and then, so were your parents helping you with, with paying for college? Yeah, yeah. No, they, they were 100%, I wasn't paying for it at all. So okay. I was always grateful for that. I still like am that they would do that. But I was at community college, so it wasn't that expensive necessarily. Yeah. So when I told them like, hey, look, like I know we haven't spent like that much on college, but like, because they were telling me like, why don't you just go get it? Like, you know what I mean? Just go get it and then figure it out later. And I'm like, I'm gonna save you guys tons of money <laughs> by not doing that because I wanted to go to a UC right um just because i wanted that like that credential right? right um just for going to like the best i could do so maybe like um santa cruz or 
whatever. I don't know what school I was going to go to, but like get into something. And when I did the math, yeah, it's like 100K with room and board and tuition and food and all that stuff. It's like, it's just done. Plus, with student loans, you can't default on them, right? Not that we like would have, but it's like it would have been like scraping by to like try and do all that. And it's like, you, you can't like escape student loans. It's just like medical debt. Yeah, you can't. You can't escape them. Yeah. You can defer them. Yeah. <laughs> you can't escape them. They're still there. Like there's people that I know that work at like huge companies, right? And like they're like 40. And they still are like no nowhere in sight will they actually be able to pay off their student loan debt before the age of like 60, 65. I was a, actually kind of uh, blessed that I wasn't very passionate about school. That I went to a community. I just knew I had to do something. I couldn't just, you know, sit around and do nothing. I, I did have a job while I went to college, but um, I went to a community college and then transferred and, and went to like a state school or whatever. So yeah, I didn't I didn't get into that much debt. So but like I'm the best route to go. Right. <laughs> I was on about like 15k and yeah. I'm almost done paying it. Almost, but still like it's it just don't make no sense, really. Yeah, well, the, like, the yeah, I mean, going to, the, the cost difference between, like, a state school and, like, a UC was, like, was, like, insane. Though. Yeah, like, like UC yeah. is, they, they screw you, like, so bad. My cousin went to Berkeley. And she's probably drowning in debt right now. <laughs> not her, maybe her parents. But she co-signed on the loan, though, right? I don't know what she did. Okay. But she check did. this out. She graduated, she's super book smart, right? Mm -hmm. And she graduated, and I think she had a degree in biology or something like that, or something crazy, you know. Sure. Yeah, very intelligent. She works in, like, cannabis now. <laughs> I know, but she's an entrepreneur, you know, so it's like... Yeah, okay. So she got, she got like, some, so college does a couple things, right? Like, it teaches you how to follow, like, a system. It uh, teaches you how to... Time like, management. Learn. Yeah, time management, all yeah. that stuff. So it's like, she probably did learn some skills in school that were helpful, but there must have been something in her that was just, like, different. Yeah, she started... She was working for NASA for a minute, and now she just got out of See, all that, man. Th there's some people where you just... No matter what you give them, they're going to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're just going to do it. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, no, good for her. Like, that's, that's really good because, yeah, Berkeley's a good school. Bio's an amazing degree. Like, that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to get a degree in, like, something technical or, like, something that's, like, very difficult, like, that, that's a high barrier to entry. There's not going to be a lot of people doing that. So then it's like, that's the one to go for. But getting, like, a business degree, like I was going to go to or going to do, um, for me, I was just like, it's not. What were you planning on going into after, you know, you got that degree? What were you going to do? So, like, literally, I didn't really know. I was just like, look, I know that I want to make somewhere around 100K a year. Uh, I found, like, some businesses and stuff like that. Because, like, my plan um, with, like, the help of, like, my parents was kind of like, okay, what are you naturally good at, right? And then, like, where could you, like, fit in? So, because I am somewhere near the middle of, like, left brain, right brain, I was looking for a position where I could be the middleman between the tech people and the art people, right? So, then I was like, because I know how to speak both their languages, and I know... Yeah, I just feel like I would be pretty good at that. Who knows if I would have by then. But um, yeah, I was like, I'm looking for that. And then I forget the official title of someone like that um, at the companies I was going to go to. But like, yeah, like larger companies doing basically in between those and like taking the art people, talking to the tech people and being like, hey, we need to get this done. And going back to the art people and explaining to them what the tech people said in human language <laughs> as opposed to like super techie stuff. But that was the plan. Um, it was a very rough plan. Uh, I was kind of waiting until out of college to kind of like figure that out. But again, like back to the moral of the story, I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't go down that path.
Um, cause it just wasn't. So suitable. you drop out of school, yeah. you, uh, quit your job mm -hmm. and then you're like, okay, I'm going to start this business, but you already pretty much had it in the works, but how long did it take you so that you weren't like in the red anymore? It became like, because when you start up, gosh, it's expensive. Like I swear, like expenses come out of nowhere. You're like, I didn't know I had to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. expenses come out of nowhere. So how long did it take before, you know, you got your first client and you really started getting into the swing of things? Like, how yeah. So, um, the thing is, is because I don't come from an entrepreneurial background, I had to learn everything by hand. I also wanted to learn everything by hand and not really, I mean, obviously I'd like look up research and like figure it out like online, but like as far as doing it, I was like, I need to learn accounting. I need to learn legal stuff or contracts. I need to learn like, you know, whatever else, customer service, like that type of stuff. I, I kind of do that for retail, for retail, but like I need to figure all these things out. And that was like a pain. Like the legal and accounting was like the worst for me because I was like, I mean, that's like, analytical kind of factual stuff but I was just like this is a little bit above my head like I mean there's a reason why people take 10 years to get like a law degree and all, you know, all that type of stuff. but even more than that you're just not interested in it yeah exactly it wasn't my passion at all so what happened was um I actually reached out to like my network right of like friends and family and I was like look I'm starting this business like well, this is how everybody should start is just reach out to friends and family and be like the, the best question to ask is, do you know anyone that would need what I have? Because if you're asking them directly, it's kind of like you're putting too much pressure on that person and be like, well, I don't want to buy your service. You know what I mean? But if you say, hey, do you know anyone? Then they could be like, they could go one of two ways. Either, oh, you know what? I actually need that. Or, yeah, Joe down the street needs needs your services. So I went through my network and found actually a couple free clients. Like I just said, hey, I'm going to do it all for free. I'm going to do everything I'm normally going to do for like a normal client in the future, but just um, for free. And then... I actually worked for free for them for like a while because I really wanted to hone my, my craft and kind of use them as like a guinea pig without yeah, them having to pay me. Yeah, works, yeah. Yeah, so I did a ton of work. Like it was like crazy. Um, and then as far as like going in the red though, to like go back for a second, um, my business like doesn't necessarily have like a, a big startup cost. It's more like skill, like expertise, right? So it's like, um, I don't have to buy like an office and all these different things. But to did start. you have a savings? Because you know you yes. got bills, baby. Yes. <laughs> you got so bills, baby. That was the thing. It's like so because I'm so analytical, kind of going back to this. And like uh, <laughs> one of my personality things is like I consider myself kind of frugal. Like I mean, I will spend money on something if it's convenient and it actually helps me and it's like worth it. But like I'm a person that wants the best value for the best thing, right? So it's like I had a pretty good amount of savings actually. Like I was more than happy. I probably could have survived for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and I used that money, so I was never in red, ever, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there was a lot of expenses of like, I didn't know, I just went on legal soon and like created my LLC, I got a trademark so that no one could use my, uh, the company name, uh -huh. like all these different things, and then yeah, like you're like, you know, a couple thousand dollars in the hole and you're like, oh man, and then, uh, and then software, there was a couple software things I needed for like my business and stuff, but then, and those were going every single month, so I was kind of like, okay, I need to, need to get on this. Um, but I worked with the free clients for a while and was not in the red, but like I wasn't making anything, right? Yeah. And then um, I honed my skills and I actually got them like amazing results. Like not to brag, but like my first clients, like I got them more clients and more stuff than they like really knew what to do with. I did SEO, I did website design, I did their ads, I was posting on their social media, like I was doing everything. Like, I, was mar I was their marketing department. <laughs> and then uh, after doing that, they were like, wow, like, you're getting really good results and stuff. And then it came to a point where I was like, okay, 
I feel confident in what I'm doing now because I'm a person that likes to aim before I shoot. I don't always like the other in entrepreneurship they say shoot and then aim. That's not my personality type. Like I have to figure out the system first, but I put in a lot of effort to figure out that system so I don't have mistakes later. Um, so I, I did all that and I was like, okay, this is what, and I just went to them. And I was like, can you pay me now? <laughs> yeah. And like they're, they, they were more than happy to do that because they were like, okay, you got us good results already. Um, yes, it's going to eat into the profits of how much you're getting us, but it's like worth it because you're doing so much work. We see like what you're doing. Everything's great. Um, and I was like, cool. So they started paying me. And then from there, like it just kind of went like up and up and I was getting them even better results, kind of tweaking and optimizing things. And then, uh, um, you know, I am. So at that, at that time you were doing everything. You were mm -hmm. creating the videos, making people's websites, blah, blah, blah. So what is, you now have got rid of all the stuff and just focus on, on the few things mm -hmm. now that you're very, very good at. So what are those very, very good at? That, this question sounds jacked up. No, I, I, <laughs> My I, I, words didn't go right, but what are your, your, what did you fine tune it down to? So now it's basically, I just do advertising. Okay. Um, if a client like specifically wants, like if they ask like, Hey, do you do SEO and web design? I'm going to be like, yeah, but like, I'm not really going to bring it up necessarily unless they need it. Right. So there's a lot of businesses that have really good websites. There's not, I don't need to like charge them for anything. I mean, I could, like I could probably convince them to be like, Hey, let's do this website instead for whatever reason. But it's like, I'm not going to do that. They don't need it. So I only sell people stuff that they need. Right. So it's like, I tell them, here's the advertising stuff that we're going to do on these platforms after I figure out the problem. And then um, if they ask me, hey, we need to optimize our website for organic Google rankings, like hiring Google, I'll be like, okay, are you down to pay me for that? Like, do you, do you want to move forward? And then like, yes. Um, or if they need a website, I'll do that. But primarily it's just one thing because I, a lot of people ask me, have you niched down your industries that you work with? Like some uh, marketing companies only deal in the me medical fa or, uh, space or whatever. And I say no, because the principles that I use for all of my marketing stuff applies to any business. So I don't really, feel, unless it's like a low ticket business. Like if it's like someone's, I mean, they still apply like the principles, but like it's not going to be cost effective for them to hire me. Right? So if someone um, is selling, like a good example, I guess I randomly thought of, if someone is selling um, like makeup or something like that, and it's like kind of like a, a $10 thing, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, that's not really going to be the most effective for me to do unless we have a really good e-commerce strategy or something like that. I usually tend to work with higher ticket things like, like lawyers or like bigger companies that have a little bit more of a budget to spend um, just because... What I do with the, the companies that quite can't afford me as I refer them to my YouTube videos or I do a consultation call with them, oh, yeah. I'll be like, look, here's here's step one of what you need to do, and then you're gonna I'm gonna meet you at step 15, and then we can all do a you know paid marketing and stuff like that from there. But they need to do uh, that stuff at the beginning just to like really for me to actually know they're serious, first of all. Mm -hmm. Some people just want to hand you stuff and just be like, you figure it out and yeah. just make me money. It's like, well, there's a part of like you have to be in that process. <laughs> um, so just advertising now only on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google search, and LinkedIn. Uh, we can do Snapchat, Twitter, Pinterest. Um, I don't think that those are the most effective things to do right now for most businesses, unless they're an e-commerce platform. So if you're, um, if you're doing e-commerce and you're selling something that's targeted towards maybe older women, something like that, you could do Pinterest, but then there's also like college girls I've seen on Pinterest too, so you can target them as well. But like as far as finding a male audience on Pinterest, it's just like not gonna happen. Twitter, e-commerce is okay. Um, it's it's kind of just like a sponsored tweet that'll show up in your feed, like maybe, but it's more just for branding, uh, you know what I mean? And then Snapchat is actually really good for e-commerce. I will say that 
if you're if you're selling a product online that's like an actual product that someone buys, not like a service, then you can sell it on Amazon with these little swipe up ads, and a lot of people will, will buy it. Um, eventually, I want to get into Amazon advertising as well. I'm giving a little bit of a secret away, but um, I think Amazon advertising is going to be a huge thing in the future, and it works exactly like Google ads. So. I have a speculation that I put out a while ago that since Amazon is like basically one of the biggest companies in the world now, I think that their biggest competitor is just now Google. And I think that they're going to make a move in the next couple of years to take out Google's search engine and make their own. Um, and the way that the Amazon search engine is going to work is it's going to be fantastic for marketers and pretty much everybody because um, let's say, so when you go on Google, you type something in, you find someone's website and it's custom made. Like Google has no, you know, like uh Nothing to really do with it. It just puts it on their directory. Amazon, if they supplied you a website, like, a, like a, kind of how Shopify does, where you can just make your own little templated website. If they supply you a website and then people can purchase from your website, you can also edit it. Like if they if they put out a website builder that's Amazon proprietary, then it's like, okay, all these websites can transfer over to Amazon websites. Not all of them. Like there's certain websites of like Oracle or something company that can't do that. But for more small businesses where a lot of Google takes their uh, gets their ad revenue from. Amazon can make their own website builder platform, and then you can be on Amazon all day and not have to do anything. Like, it's just like, you don't have to go to Google at all. It's just, if you want to uh, find a chiropractor, it'll just put like, you just type in chiropractor on Amazon, and then a cert, like a, a profile will come up, and you can click on that and view their little Amazon website. So that's just like a speculation. I don't know if it's actually gonna happen, but it'd be really smart for Bezos to do. Um, and then they can buy your service directly from Amazon. because. Amazon, you can buy home services, I think like contractors and stuff, but you can't buy like a lawyer or anything like that on Amazon. So it's like if they can if they can capture that market, they're also going to get a little bit of it. So then they can get like a 0.05 percent on all these transactions, and Amazon could even. Make Whoa, money. numbers, numbers. Whoa, 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 <laughs> yeah. numbers, whoa, numbers. Right, right. Anyways, okay. Thank you for being on the Allen Network. I really appreciate it. I think I learned some stuff about you know social media marketing for sure. Awesome. Um, that is, I'm you know that's basically where my audience is on Facebook and Instagram right now. So I'm trying to get into the YouTubers, but YouTubers, oh God, it sounds so old. <laughs> I'm trying to make my way over there, but... Um, Can I give one tip? So I know, like you said, um, your podcast is a lot about self-development, right? Right. And we, we touch on a couple things by like my journey that can teach people about like self-development stuff. But I, uh, I'm kind of putting a pillar in the ground right now as far as my brand goes of like what I want to focus on with self-development. And not to sound like super like weird here, like it's like a bigger than it really is, but I think that this one thing is actually a key to self-development as yeah. a whole. Yeah. Um, so I just like, I'll tell like a little story. So I think that identity is the number one thing in self-development because when someone like, uh, just to give this example, if someone's not motivated to go do something, right? It usually comes back to like who they are as a person. If they're not motivated in, in one particular thing, sometimes they're just not motivated in general. So what they should really be focusing on is the foundation of who they are and then changing their identity to someone that is motivated and is disciplined and is focused and business oriented or whatever um, identity they want to craft for themselves. But I feel like people are too stuck on what identity they have now or they don't have an identity at all. They're looking to Instagram to give them identity and that's just ridiculous. So if you crafted your identity, you really sat down and almost kind of made like a character sheet. Like it's as if you're like a script writer trying to write out a character. You put your what you currently are and what your vision is and then just kind of like mesh them together and be like, okay, this is my vision, I'm gonna act like this from now on. And it's the same thing with like people on a diet. 
Like the reason why people fall off of diets is because they don't see themselves as that disciplined person or someone that even maybe deserves to be fit, right? So it's like, if someone changes their identity, I think that's the key to self-development. I'm kind of putting like everything in that box. Um, and it's the hardest thing to do because it's the core foundational work. But I think that it, like when you fix the inside, right? Some people just call that mindset, but I think it's like, it's deeper than that. Like it's an identity of who you are. When they fix that, then it'll manifest itself on the outside and you'll basically do exactly what you want and you'll live up to like the Yeah, I think it's definitely important to, to for one, find something that you're really passionate about mm -hmm. doing. Um, and then, you know, that's key because then you're motivated to do it. You know, I'm very passionate about podcasting and I'm very passionate about talking to people. So, of course, I'm motivated to do that. Now, there are a lot of other things that I have to do that's, you know, involved with promoting this podcast mm -hmm. are the things that I'm not so passionate about doing. But I am changing my mindset to know that I have to get those things done. Like they have to be done at this point in the game. Don't have, you know, the money to hire somebody else mm -hmm. to do those things. So now I got to learn how to do videos and stuff like that that, you know, aren't as, I'm not as passionate about, but yeah. mindset, you know, and understanding that, yo, you got to be disciplined to do this kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to share that because I know that we didn't touch on self-development too well, much. Well, I think so. it's, um, somebody once told me, they said, whatever you are doing in life as your career, it should be lined up with who you are and what you're passionate about. So that has to do with identity, but it also has to do with, you know, like a, a lot of people aren't ready to do that soul searching and really finding out who they are as a person, you know, and uh, acknowledging that and owning up to their weaknesses and, and owning up to their traumas and, and, and digging in deep and fixing some things, you know, not everybody's uh, ready to do that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just, uh, I'm gonna go to school and get a job and work, you know, and they're not necessarily doing what is lined up with them, mm -hmm. you know? Like I have a friend that went to UCLA, she graduated from Stanford, went to UCLA Medical School, became a doctor, hated it. Not a doctor anymore, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you're, you, you, gotta, you gotta figure that out. And it's, it takes a lot to, to you know, do that self work, mm -hmm. like, and, and get involved and really get into knowing who you are and getting aligned with that stuff, so. Yeah, it's more like about subtraction than it is addition because like what, the reason why it's so uncomfortable, yeah, is like they just don't wanna like look at that area of their life or whatever yeah. it is. But it's more like they're always looking for what's the next motivational quote that I can think of? What's the <laughs> most like thing? It's like, no, 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 you don't need more stuff. You need less stuff. You need to remove the barriers that are like stopping you or have like remove the obstacles from like your success or whatever it is. Um, and that's that's like the identity portion where it's like if you just change your obstacles and just remove those barriers, you'll probably end up being successful or be up, you know, wherever you want to go. So, yeah. Appreciate you. For sure. It was fun to uh, be on here. This went pretty long. I it did it. go very long. I just looked over and was like, whoa, I didn't know that I realized we had really talked that long, but uh, you're you're a good talker. Yeah. I, I hope that uh, the people listening got a lot of value out of it because yeah. like, that's that's how I just think, especially with my YouTube content or whatever I do. I'm like, if you just put out like good quality stuff, whoever's going to resonate with it is like going to you know be attracted to that. So it's like with my brand, I'm just gonna put out my thing, kind of give my two cents on on whatever my ideas are. And like it's tough because doing being exactly that 
doesn't always get the most um, views, right? Because like, you know, the more mainstream kind of cookie cutter vanilla stuff is what gets a lot of views and gets a lot of people hyped up, but it's like people don't want to hear identity or these things that I'm talking about. So I'm gonna talk about that and hopefully the people that resonate that like should be there in my, my circle. Or That's the exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly what the self-improvement, you know, the Allen Network is about. Yep. And you know, leaving, having to leave radio and then being in this space and, and talking about all the things that I want to talk about the things that I'm passionate about and the things yeah. that are lined up with who I am that are going to help people be better because you know the way things are going right now <laughs> it's just going to get tougher you know like the state of California we are in trouble boy oh, yeah. we are in some big trouble so things are just going to get harder but I just want to um just whatever I can to make it easier so social media Marketing is a big deal for a lot of people that I know that are just trying to build their personal brands or their personal business. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to have you on. Thank you so much, Eric Rebello. Give out your social media, uh, website, everywhere that people can find you so they can hire you and they can get on. I appreciate that. Yeah, so my YouTube channel is where I put the majority of my content. Uh, it's just youtube.com slash Eric Rebello, just spelled like that. On Instagram, uh, it's Eric and then the letter J Rebello. Mm -hmm. And then my website is just ericrebello.com. And then you can fill out like a thing on there if you want to talk to me on like, your consultation call or whatever it is. And then, um, yeah, if you have any questions, like put them in the comments and you can add and answer them. And then other than that, I just appreciate you having me on. It was super fun. All day. Thank you. Thank you.